Hey everyone, I'm Julie Gunlock, host of the Bespoke Parenting Hour. For those new to the program, this podcast is focused on how parents should custom tailor their parenting style to fit what's best for their families, themselves, and most importantly, their kids. So one thing I've been trying to do this year with Bespoke is interview parents who really do practice bespoke parenting, and that means doing it the way that best suits them. They may choose to do it that way because of philosophy or need. And when I say need, I mean sometimes we have to adjust the way we parent simply because our schedules are different or there could be something like divorce or heaven forbid, single parenting because of the death of a spouse. Sometimes things like just changes in location um, or changes in jobs mean that you might have to start parenting in a different way. So we want to explore that. And one of the guests that we um, have had on recently is a trucker. Um, She is a mother and a grandmother. And um, we talked about how she managed to be a mother while having an unusual schedule and an unusual type of work. We've also interviewed some doctors. Um, We hope to interview someone in the law enforcement field. And I think it's just really interesting to, to interview these people, see how they're parenting, and it sort of demystifies parenting and tells people, look, you can do it in a variety of ways. There's really no good way and no bad way. And we live in an era where parents are definitely told There is a specific way that you should parent that's best, and we try to to debunk that a little bit here on this podcast. So today, I'm going to be speaking to my friend, Heather Hunter. She is actually a visiting fellow at the Independent Women's Forum, but I work with Heather mostly at WMAL, which is a radio station in Washington, D.C., uh, where I am a, a co-host of a morning program. Heather is a journalist, and she is a veteran radio, television, and film producer. Um, and again, as I mentioned, she's been managing Washington, D.C.'s popular morning drive show on 105.9 FM since she joined WMAL in 2010. I only um, started co-hosting this radio program this year. Um, that's not true, actually. I started in October of last year. Uh, but I've been doing it for far less time than Heather. Um, she has produced three top ten nationally syndicated radio programs, the G. Gordon Liddy Show, the Laura Ingram Show, and most recently, the Lars Larson Show. In addition, in addition, she produced the Top Orlando Morning Drive Talk radio program, uh, the Shannon Burke Show, and various shows for XM Satellite Radio. Um, again, she's been working in media for 24 years. She started her career as a radio host on an alternative rock station in her hometown when she was 16 years old. And I got to tell you, Heather's pretty cool. She has a lot of rock and roll in her. I love working with uh, with Heather on O'Connor and Company again, uh, which is on WMAL in the Washington, D.C. area. She is just an amazing producer, and I'm really thrilled to have her here today. Hey, Heather, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Julie. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, Heather and I were actually on the radio this morning. Heather, as I have mentioned in the intro, Heather um, 
produces uh, the um, O'Connor and Company, which is a morning drive program. So we are both up early um, and Heather is up early five days a week. I'm only a co-host two days a week. So um, how are you feeling, Heather? I'm a little tired. Are you a little tired? <laughs> um, well, um, getting up at three in the morning um, and then with uh, two little kids, as you know, you have multiple children as well. <laughs> it's uh it's it's a lot of energy that you um have to uh, it's kind of like figuring out how to be a marathon runner you just figure out your energy throughout the day you know just like how how can i finish the race so um yeah. but uh, <laughs> it's um i mean i love what i do um and i know you enjoy doing it as well and um it's early hours it's long days um because we also uh you know when the news cycle as we're starting the day at, you know, four in the morning, we're meeting uh, to do a pre-show yeah. meeting when most people are, I mean, really, it's not even, um, it's not really early morning. It's more of in the middle of the night <laughs> <laughs> that we're actually starting our day. And, um, and then, um, you know, as far as producing, um, you know, it's, it's doing the pre-show meeting and getting together with the hosts and figuring out what we're going to talk about and, and, uh, you know, what guests we have and then putting the production together as the show's going. And um, and then after the show's done, then, you know, my day is actually not even close to being done because <laughs> then I have right. to I have to prep for the next day and, and watch all the news conferences and what's going on in the world and book guests and post the post the podcast and cut audio and, you know, post, you know, edit and add commercials, take out the commercials. And so it's, um, it's, it's, I mean, I'm probably still working until usually maybe like eight o'clock at night. So, yeah, um, yeah. and just tracking what's going on in the world. And, um, and sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's even later, I mean, depending on, you know, when, uh, Ben Laden was, um, was captured, was, uh, captured and killed. Um, I remember, getting a phone call from somebody, I thought, oh, I'm going to actually sleep in today. And then, you know, try to get some real sleep and go to bed at like nine. And then I get a call that, oh, did you see that, you know, what happened to Bin Laden? And I'm like, no, what happened? And then, you know, then I'm booking guests at, you know, midnight um, for, you know, and scrapping, you know, everything I had done that, that day before, because it's a well, breaking news story. And that's, you know, <laughs> it's just a long, you know, well, long it's day. It's interesting. I think about this and I think about sort of my life before kids and my life after kids. You have really young kids, really little kids. You know, you were saying, you know, I, you try to pace yourself throughout the day. But the thing is, is that my kids can make themselves a sandwich. Right. And my kids, they're not driving yet cannot wait until they are, but they're not driving yet. So they still need me to take them places, but they really are self-sufficient. But your kids need a lot more help. Your kids are, yeah. what are they? Are they three and five? Um, I can't remember so, exactly. Yeah. Uh, my youngest is three and then the other one's four turning five. Soon. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I got to motherhood kind of late, um, but uh, my my husband and I got married when I was about 35 and then we kind of had the discussion, do we have kids or, you know, what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we just, you know, my husband said, well, let's see how it goes. And then two years, two kids later, you know? Um, yeah. And, uh, so well, you're, um, in a, you're in an industry, you're in an industry that certainly, you know, I, I mean, I think about, you know, when Bin Laden was killed and you, you, you probably were up all night. I mean, but you didn't have a kid to take care of, you know, it's a totally mm -hmm. different 
thing now, right? And it's a totally different dynamic now with having kids and having to, you know, and even I'm only on two days a week and, and, you know, I go, I leave the studio and I, you know, I have another, you know, I work for the independent women's forum. So I have other work as well. Um, but yours is, I mean, yours can change in an instant. If something happens, like you say, you know, how do you balance that? Is there, are there pockets of time? You know, I used to, as you know, I used to homeschool my oldest and I would sort of breakout time where, you know, I would, um, you know, homeschool him and then I'd work some and then I'd maybe, you know, then I'd, you know, get dinner ready. I mean, what do you, how do you sort of do that? Do you break it up in, into blocks? Um, well, I, um, I, I'm up earlier than everybody in my house and then my husband watches the kids during the show itself from five to 9 a.m. And then after that, I'm, I'm pretty much with the kids. Um, yeah. so it's, uh, but it, you know, uh, I, he makes sure he takes care of breakfast for them and make yeah. sure he, the kids are kind of set. And then I can, you know, navigate dealing with them while I'm trying to, uh, do work throughout the day. Um, I, I kind of, I, I look at it as, you know, some people, you know, may look at their work as, Oh, I got all, I got kids and I got work and, I mean, I just feel blessed that I have, you know, the work that I do where I feel yeah. like I do fulfilling work. Um, and even though it's yes, long days and, you know, um, being a mother is something where you, you really learn how precious time is because you see how quickly they grow and mm. it makes you actually, uh, I think, grow as a person because you, you realize, I mean, you'll get these Facebook alerts of, of what just a year ago, what your yeah. child look like or was doing and you've realized oh my god time has flown by and when you're single or even when you're just without kids at that period in time you don't realize how quickly time moves and how much you know life just happens you know while you're making other plans and yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. then you you know and, and so you have this you you have this realization about priorities in your life and so you try to be present and it's so hard when you're a working mom to be present. And, yeah. um, and so you really try to grab those moments when the kids want to show you something. And so you, 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 so the nice part about my job is that even though I'm kind of, uh, my workload is heavy on the front end where I'm up at three in the morning and I'm doing, putting a whole show together till nine and then I'm still working throughout the day, but I'm able to kind of spread it out throughout the day. So, you know, I get some interview requests in for some guests and I'm still kind of tracking the news uh, throughout the day, watching the press conferences. So, you know, while I'm fixing lunch, I'm still watching like Biden doing a press conference or Kamala over, you know, <laughs> overseas, you know, doing a press conference or I'm, I'm, well, I'm kind of have like a hat, my ear is kind of half on things all the time. And, um, even, even during dinner, I'll, I'll be watching a lot of right. school meetings. And so, uh, you know, and my husband does get annoyed by it to some degree, but it, it's, it's one of those things where you just, you have to, you, you know, when you, when you commit to working in, in the news, you, um, it's not like you're working like a cashier at a, a grocery store. Like your, your, your day doesn't end, you know, like you, yeah. your shift isn't over. You, when you work in the news, you're always on and you're always, something's always breaking. And I kind of learned that from 
um, when I when I went to work at Fox News Channel, where you're just you're always hands on deck, and you know it's always a sense of urgency and paying attention to what's going on. So it's a struggle when you become a mother because then you're like, you know, I, I can't, you know, you also have to balance out the new cycle owning you and your life, and you know, just it's it, it's a constant. As a mother, you always feel guilty that you you're not doing enough, and yeah. Um, and and so you always like really wish you could spend more time with them. And so it, it's, it's a balance. It really is. And, is. and, um, and, and I don't know how to really give real advice as far as just, you know, figuring out what works for you. And all of us are just doing our best and well, just trying to be the best mom we can be. <laughs> well, I think, so. I think to some degree, you know, that's why I wanted to start this bespoke parenting hour, because when I became a parent, I was really stressed about everything from the food they were eating to, am I getting the right shampoo? Am I, oh my gosh, you know, is the, you know, it was like, you know, you were told to slather them with the sun, um, sunblock, but then you'd read an article that said like sunblock has chemicals that are toxic, mm -hmm. which by the way is all baloney. Um, you should put sunblock 100% on your kids. And so mm -hmm. I was always like, and then like the food, should it be organic? Should it be non-GMO? Like all this stuff is, is coming at you. And then of course, parenting style. Should you be a helicopter parent? Should you be um, a, a free ranger? Should you sort of try to find mm -hmm. a place? And what I realized is that, you know, it's funny because I, you know, I feel like when I, I, when I first started parenting, I was both like overwhelmed by information, but I was also super judgmental about, so I would make a decision, this is how I'm going to do it. And then I would like kind of feel a little bit judgy if people made different decisions. As I've gotten older and as I've been going through this now for my oldest is 15, it's funny how I've mellowed out completely. And, and that's why I wanted to start this podcast is to sort of explain to people, look, there people are going to parent in different ways and there really isn't a right and wrong. There are things we can agree on. Don't beat your kids. That, that seems pretty yeah. simple. Like don't hit them. Right. Or don't, don't. Okay. I, actually, I do believe in like the, the, the soft swat on the, on the mm -hmm. back end when they are about to walk into, um, this, into this traffic. Road. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm okay with that, but I, but I do feel like, you know, looking at, um, you know, you know, figuring out how to parent is something that is individual to everyone. And especially when you think about, like you say, you're in the news media, um, you know, I, I wonder, are there a lot of women in particular that have, that are executive producers? Is this something that, is an industry so two-part question are there many of you moms in th that have these sort of high-level producer positions in the news media and two how do you think technology has made that more of a possibility for women these days so, so answer the first question are you oh, are you one of the few are you i know i'm I, this is probably like a bit you're telling me julie this is very bad interviewing but like um <laughs> Like, is it, is, it, is it common for, do you have a lot of female colleagues, like in your industry? And then we'll get to the second question. Um, I tend to find that I'm probably uh, an anomaly as far as women my age who are in their 40s who are still, uh, who are executive producers. I mean, there's a lot of people who are, I guess I know more men who are like, experienced executive producers. I think the radio industry has changed uh, a lot. Um, ever since media consolidation in the end of the 90s, um, a lot of large companies, uh, media companies um, bought up a lot of smaller mom and pop uh, companies. And 
what happened was a lot of um, a lot of positions started to get um, eliminated. I mean, from a radio broadcasting perspective, I don't know a lot of female executive producers because usually nowadays, and when I first started in radio in the mid '90s, um, I'd be going on I guess 25 years in broadcasting now um, this year, and wow. um, the there used to be multiple producers working on shows and um, you would have like an executive producer and a senior producer an associate producer and a production assistant and you would have a level like a tier of producers yeah and um, and you know there would be the show would really like you'd have people doing a bunch of uh, tasks and and you know and the show had a lot of production and still does actually shows have, I think even more production nowadays. Um, but, um, it's just, it's just different types. It's a different sounding show today. Um, but when consolidation happened, I noticed that a lot of, um, a lot of executives would try to figure out how do we, you know, squeeze blood out of a stone? How do we keep, you know, making more money, more money? How do we, you know, downsize, but still make more money. So, People are making, you know, bonuses for, you know, slashing staff and over and over again throughout the radio industry, just slash staff just kept, kept getting slashed and often it was producers. And um, nowadays in, in the radio industry, I mean, I think it's almost rare to find somebody who's a full-time producer. Um, yeah. And now the industry is like in smaller markets. I work in Washington, D.C., which is number seven market in the country. So um, I'm actually a full-time producer, but in a lot of markets elsewhere, their producers are, ha- are, are part-time or they don't have a producer. The host does, you know, books their own guests and, and also uh, cuts audio and runs, runs their own board. And, um, and I think that, I think that's a shame because, it's it's a devaluing of having a staff. Imagine like Jimmy Kimmel or Johnny Carson not having writers, you know, and yeah, and yeah, um, and and so there is a there needs to be a production within a show. You need to have a team of people to really put on a good show. And it's it's really an injustice to broadcasting to um, just kind of devalue the staff and um, and, 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 you know, there, there are multiple talents that are within a show. There's people who are on air who are great at, um, you know, presenting the information and the ideas. But then there's also kind of a, the, the, produ- the producer, the executive producer operates as a 3,000 foot level uh, person to oversee the production, make sure all the elements are yeah. coming together, making sure you're getting all the top tier guests. And, you know, even Barbara Walters, I mean, when she was doing all those amazing interviews um, in the 90s and early 2000s, you know, she had a producer who was booking all those big names. And, yeah. you know, every show that you see that um, has, you know, top tier guests, you know, it's not Joy Behar or it's not, you know, Whoopi Goldberg booking those people. It's somebody who's working their butt off to go get a top tier guest on that right. show. It's a booker, it's a producer. It's, you know, there, there are, uh, there's a staff that, you know, actually makes those things happen. Now, and, um, and so it's a shame that I think in broadcasting in television, there's more female producers just because there's more budget. But, um, and I don't know if it's necessarily a gender thing. It's just, I think producers, are starting to get cut a lot more in the radio broadcasting perspective. In television, I would say not so much, but, you know, 
Yeah. Well, you know, part of it too is part of it also just extreme competition, and that you know anybody can have a podcast nowadays. Like, mm-hmm. like right now, you're on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. of course, That's I true. have. You know, I, I this is you know, a, you know, sort of officially an IWF podcast, and we have you know tremendous amount of support here. As you know, we have Tim on the line here, who's our producer and who helps do all this recording, and you know you we're booked by Megan who works in our press office, but the bottom line is anybody with a computer can have a podcast and they don't need any staff. And I imagine that too is a big competition um, for your industry. And yes, technology is great and that it like anybody can do this. And we, we believe in that sort of as people who believe in the free market and, and we strongly believe that competition makes things better, but that also has to be kind of hard. I would imagine for radio um, to compete with that as far as, but I do want to sort of pivot over to technology. How has technology, which it sounds like in some ways, like not having the level of staff maybe to make a job easier, how has technology made, has it made your life easier as a producer, but also just as a working mom, how has technology helped you? Um, I think there's different levels of how technology, the pros and cons of it. Um, I think now we have because I think um, looking at producing from kind of a early internet time to now, where it's I, I it's a lot easier to get audio clips. It's a lot easier to find something you're looking for um, from that perspective. However, there's also a lot more out there to actually be searching for as well. So in order to you know, now, I mean, I think like live streams now are, are more readily available. I think the pandemic has made live streams also a little bit more available as well because people wanted to have things available in case people physically couldn't be there anymore. Um, and so there is some benefit to technology in, in being able to get your job done. And and um, I know, I mean, I didn't go to school board meetings um, when Fairfax or when Loudon was having all their school board meetings. But on our morning show, I was watching all of them and cutting all the audio. And um, and so our audience was able to hear what was what people were saying and what was being experienced in those meetings because I could watch the live stream of it and cut that audio and, and, and present it to our audience. Um, and, um, and, and, and honestly that I, even from, I would say even as far back to 2013, 2014, I mean, I was watching those school board meetings, even Fairfax. I mean, there was a whole parent movement happening even back then and everyone acts like, Oh, and it was Yunkin and it was, you know, right, right. the Virginia parent movement. And yes, it, it, you know, those were very important factors last year, but this parent movement has been, just growing and becoming more um, vocal. Um, and I think it's because of places like WMAL giving them a voice and giving them a megaphone. Yeah. And I mean, I think also podcasts probably help to that degree of parents getting the voice out on some things. But I mean, I, I think traditional media like, like, you know, like WMAL has been that megaphone of, you know, when people were driving to work into Washington, D.C., um, there's, you know, Fox News producers, Fox hosts, there's, you know, people who work in government who are driving into DC and they're hearing WML and they're hearing 
those parents making that plea to, you know, please do something, help my kids get back and oh, reopen the schools, you know, take masks yeah. off my kids. And and so they're hearing those and, and that I think really empowered them. Um, so having that live stream, that technology of us, you know, being able to grab to, you know, grab that audio is huge. Um, I mean, I guess some of the cons, I guess, with technology is um, is that as a producer now you have to do uh, because you have you have no staff, <laughs> yeah. And then in, and then you have to do everything. So as a producer, you're doing all the um, you're doing all the social media. You're doing all the you're posting everything to a podcast. You're having to you know, cut all the audio and you're, as far as, um, you're, uh, having to post everything on the website and you have, uh, I mean, it probably takes me after the show is done. I'm still working maybe two and a half hours after the show, just doing the digital side of the show and getting everything up for the audience. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, whether it's a web or digital, everything, um, and so it, it's, it's extra work that didn't quite exist in like 1997. Right. Right. Well, <laughs> so, well, you know, one one thing, and this might be a, a good place to pivot, because I do want to talk about how you've got, you know, an almost five-year-old and a three-year-old. You are, you're, you're not fully, sort of, I mean, I think you're, I'm not sure actually where your kids are in terms of, because I know there's preschools and kindergarten starts, but I don't think you've started kindergarten yet. Have you? No, not yet. Um, so, my oldest will be five in May. Right. So I'm, right it's now fun. I'm working on figuring out what that plan is. Well, that, that's what that's school. kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. It's funny because I think in some ways, you know, life modern life brings with it and I, we had just talked about technology, there there is some flexibility there, right? And in some ways, you know, I think, oh gosh, you know, you produce a show that's done at 9 a.m. and it's funny, Heather, cuz I guarantee you there are some people who think, "Oh, and then she's done for the day," right? You <laughs> must get that a lot, which probably makes your head explode, right? But I think a lot of people don't realize what producers do. And so, and, and, and legitimately, I understand why, because you hear the voice of people. Yeah. It seems so seamless of, you see our rundowns and all the right. show prep that's involved in the show and all the guests that we have. Um, and so you see the, the prep that goes into that. And, um, and, but um, I think a lot of people who, who don't see the behind the scenes, kind of how, how the sausage is made, they don't really they well, just go, oh, well, you know, what do producers do? They just kind of, you know. Right. Sit back and listen. They just, they, they just but, must sit on their hands after the show. No, so <laughs> I, so I, I'm going to just, and you know, you may, you may say, hey, and by the way, to anyone listening to this podcast right now, you may occasionally hear things in the background. That's because my kids are actually home today. So there's doors opening. My dog wants <laughs> to go out. So I apologize. I don't have um, a, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, doing what I'm talking about here. I'm sort of parenting and working at the same time. So pardon the interruptions here and there. But I will tell you, I want to, Heather, you may, I hope I don't get in trouble for, for giving people a peek behind the curtain, but it is interesting. I've been doing this um, show that Heather produces. I do two mornings a week and it is astonishing watching this. Um, you know, I've gotten used to it now, but, but watching how this show uh, rolls out in the morning and the work that Heather does, she really is sort of the wizard behind the curtain because um you know, we'll be talking about an issue and Heather, we have, as she mentioned, as Heather mentioned just a few minutes ago, this thing called a show prep and it's a schedule essentially of what's coming up next and, you know, what needs to, what needs to be done during the show. But Heather is constantly filling out questions, filling out information for us. So as the host, while we're live on air, 
Heather's in the background giving us literally, you know, sometimes writing out questions or giving us um, articles that have been written and quotes. She'll sometimes highlight quotes that are interesting things to say on the air. So as the host, we have um, tremendous help behind the scenes. Um, but it it is really amazing watching you work and watching you do that. But I do think that um, and especially as someone who's sort of new to this world, it is the kind of thing where now I also, because, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the studio, I, I hear you talk about what you're going to do later in the day, book other guests, you know, we sometimes have a staff meeting, we have a staff meeting at 4am, but we also have a staff meeting after and, and we talk about the very next day where this whole thing has to happen, but in order for that, you know, the host and the co-host to be ready, Heather is at home, you know, booking new guests and setting up the next, um, next. So it's, it's a tremendous amount of work. And it's something that I didn't have, um, you know, exactly an appreciation for. And it's interesting, because I think you're at a phase now, we earlier, we were saying, you know, you've got a near five year old, you're starting to figure out what that's going to look like. And while you do have some, you know, some flexibility in your job. I think we're both lucky in that we do work in industries that give us that flexibility. Um, you know, school is another thing that you've got to consider. And I find it interesting that during all of these last couple of years, you've been watching this parent movement build. You've been a part of it. You've been booking these angry parents. You've been booking these, uh, these, you know, educational reformers. You've really been sitting in it. You've really been a part of that movement a little bit removed because your kids aren't in the schools yet, but how has watching all of this, you know, when you say you're making plans, you witnessing what has happened in the last couple of years in education and with the public schools and all the woke crap that, that parents who currently have kids in the schools are dealing with. What's your thoughts on this? Are you going to start your kids in the public schools? Are you looking at private? Are you looking at homeschooling? How, and how has the last two years affected the decision? Like, were you originally like, oh, yeah, they'll just go to the public schools and that's changed? <laughs> sort of what, how has that impacted your decision making? Um, well, I, I've always pondered the homeschooling idea. My, my parents um, were educators. So my dad was a history teacher in public school. He taught world history and middle school. And um, my mom was a school board administrator. And wow. um and so I, uh, I always kind of had a, a somewhat of a knowledge. I, I won't say I was knowledgeable in education. I don't want to say that I knew how to do my parents' jobs or anything. But um, I always kind of got a peek of what their views were, of what was going on in education. And um, and my parents had had said to me over the years that you know the public schools aren't what they used to be when you were growing up. Mm. And um, and so th there seems to be a lot more of an agenda behind teachers. Uh, I won't say teachers, uh, just the education system in general. There's certain people who I think have gotten into education, just like when you look at the media industry. There's certain people who feel like it's their um, their life's purpose is to be uh, get into propaganda with with children, and 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 their purpose is to kind of drive them in in, in a certain route. Um, that's not necessarily teaching them just math or science. It's, it's, you know, let me, you know, I want to shape their minds into a way that's not necessarily teaching them um, knowledge and information. And, um, and so I, I, I've been leaning towards homeschooling for, I, I mean, even before I had 
children. So uh, this is something that I've been thinking about either private school or homeschool. And so I've been looking into it for a long time. Um, and I kind of had it in the back of my head for, for a long time, even since I was a teenager, that um, the radio industry would be a good uh, place to work because I remember Dr. Laura, the radio host, talking about how she really enjoyed as a mother, um, you know, she'd do her radio show and then she would be able to be with her son during the day. And that was kind of a unique um, career to have. Um, and that you could really have some time with your children and also have a career at the same time. And I mean, little did I know I'd be waking up at three in the morning and still be working until <laughs> nine o'clock at night. But I mean, but I do have some flexibility throughout the day yeah. uh, with what I do because the show is over at nine and I'm still working throughout the day, but I am still able to be with my kids. And, yeah. um, and so I, I've explored the homeschooling option um, quite a bit and been looking into it, looking at classical conversations, which I, which I know you have uh, been working on with your son. Um, and there's a few moms that I was kind of inspired by as well. Um, when I saw this um, over the years, I've seen various homeschool moms really um, yeah. do amazing work. And especially, I you know, I saw these moms um, in the in the Northern Virginia movement who were just, you know, who who wanted I, I love to the Northern Virginia public school parents because they were still trying to fight for their schools. And yeah, and and so it's a struggle in that you really want um, you don't want to give up on the public schools because. You know, all of our children are eventually going to be working together. They have to live together in the society. And you don't want to just go, well, you know, I'm just going to homeschool and, and you know, my kids are going to, you know, have a better education. You really hope for the homeschool, uh, you really hope for the public school system to get better. And you want to continue to fight for it because those kids do deserve to have a better education. Um, but then you also struggle with, okay, but I need, you know, I only get this one shot as a parent to really provide them the education that they need to. So you, you know, so I think it's important that parents, when they are, um, figuring out, you know, what they want to do, I think they should still, you know, cheer on those parents, um, like the Megan Rafalski who was fighting, you know, the administrators over the mass and, you know, and, and, and the Stacey Langtons who are fighting them over the, you know, insane books that are in the libraries. And, you know, because it, it, would, it would be much easier for those parents to just go, OK, forget this. I'm just going to, you know, go private or I'm going to go homeschool. Yeah. Um, and so I cheer on those parents. But then I also I look at the homeschool situation and, and I think, OK, I think this might be the route I want to go for my own kids, my own life. And um and so I've been really looking into it. And, and there's, um, there's one mother who in DC that really inspires me and her name is Delise Bernard. And she has a website called survivinghomeschool.com. And I don't, I don't know what her politics are. I don't know, you know, but, but she is absolutely amazing in that she, um, her son um, at the age of 11 was building computers. He had a curiosity about engineering. And so she was homeschooling her kids. And she has this concept of, um, you know, we are our children's first homeschool teacher. So yeah. our kids, our kids learned everything from us. And so parents shouldn't find it daunting to be a homeschool teacher because they learned how to walk. They learned how to talk. They learned everything from us. 
And so it's not like, you know, for us to go that next level of teaching them other things that they won't, that, that somehow it won't be, you know, better or that some other teacher knows better. Um, And I think a lot of parents who've turned to homeschooling realize that the education system wasn't necessarily providing uh, for their kids um, what they thought the teacher was, would provide. And she, um, Denise uh, Delise talks about um, how she takes the attitude of Rome schooling. She says homeschooling is not uh, homeschooling. It's Rome schooling. It's where you, you know, when you look at the DC area, DC is a Mecca of, for homeschooling, because you want your kids to kid to learn science, you can go to the Smithsonian, you go to the right. Air and Space Museum. You know, you want to learn history, go to the National Archives. You know, you want to teach your kid art, go to the Gallery of Art. You know, you want to. Um, I mean, there's so many programs that you can get your kids into. You want to learn about, you know, um, civics. Well, you know, your kid could be a page in Congress. Or yeah. I mean, there's just so many cool things that kids can get into. Yeah. Um, in this area that I'm just excited to think that my, that my kids could could learn and there's battlefields and there's I mean there's just so much that your kids can if you could be a like really take the time to homeschool your kids could learn really cool things and and, well, and actually have that hands-on experience instead of just being in a classroom learning about it you know well one thing that's very interesting and what I learned from from going from all three of my children in public school to two of them in a private Catholic and one of them homeschooled using a classical curriculum, which by the way, the Catholic school my other two are in also teaches in a classical way, um, which is a particular type of, there is a, a, a sort of philosophy with classical learning. And, and so we're very lucky that all of my kids are sort of on the same page. But one thing that I was so great about starting to homeschool is you learn along with them. Now, Heather, you might be different than me, but I can't remember most things I learned in second grade. Okay. I can't remember um, most things I learned in fifth grade. Okay. I mean, I have trouble with long division. Okay. But oh it's so, God. so Thank one you. thing that was <laughs> I'm kind of, for math. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that was really fun was, for instance, my, now I am a, a writer by profession, but it was really fun to actually review, you know, the 30 some, you know, actual like, um, grammar rules that you have to, you know, this is like memorizing the prepositions, right? You, th- it was so fun to go through that with my son. And also history was f- so great. We learned a Roman, we, I, you know, I did a year of Roman history with him and ancient history with him. And it was so neat to, to hear about, you know, this history that I actually don't remember learning that I might have. And then it's so interesting how you'll hear reference to them. My son and I were watching a movie and they mentioned some ancient ruler and Jack and I looked at each other and said, you know, look, we learned about him. We were so excited. Um, And so there is a joy of learning along with your kids because as it was in the public schools, I had to wait for a worksheet to come home or a test to come home to sort of get a sense of what they were learning. You really do feel on the outside. And certainly with public schools now, um, increasingly seeing parents as sort of the enemy or some uh, an entity um, for, that you keep things from, from which you keep information um, and treating parents like they're kind of a nuisance, parents get even less and less information. And, and again, 
with the the start of computers now taking over and there's very very in public schools at least in my experience there's very little paper and pencil work and so you really actually don't see things coming home that are graded you can kind of look on the computer but oftentimes the teachers don't update it. anyway it's a public schools are kind of a mess and we haven't seen that in the private schools the private schools seem to be much more attentive to parents much more willing to do, to um, have conversations with parents and so even for my kids in the private schools, we get a lot more information. And again, but homeschooling is just tremendous fun in some ways. And I think one thing that I try to, and I know you and I have had these conversations is, you know, you don't have to, like you can try homeschooling. And if, you know, when they start to get older, because it really does get tough, right? Especially like my son was in advanced physics and then um, and then he was, you know, he, then he you know, started algebra. And, you know, at some point, you know, we thought, oh, gosh, we need help here. So, we, you know, we brought a tutor in to help with some of the harder things. And then, you know, eventually we, we looked at other at, and re-enrolling him in schools. And so, you know, when things do get tough, you don't have to sort of and the other thing I will tell you is that, you know, as your kids get older, there's also co-ops. There's usually like places where parents kind of pool their resources. Um, yeah. So it's parents have so many choices in education. But I liked what you said about not abandoning the public schools because you know what? Kids are still stuck there. They're still stuck mm-hmm. in these public schools. And so I think I like the idea of sort of, you know, looking for the, the situation that suits you best, but also still pushing for reform in the public schools. Or as I like to say, the only thing that's really going to reform the public schools is ultimately school choice. Um, and so, you know, pushing for those, uh, you know, that movement, um, getting away from giving the money to the institution rather than the family, I think is 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 really the most important advocacy we can do for kids stuck in the, in the public schools is, um, is a shift from where that money goes to instead of going the state funding uh, the public school itself, the state should be funding the uh, the parents so that they can choose, hey, if they want to stay with the public school, God bless, give them your $10,000 or $15,000. But if you want to go to a specialized school, for instance, one that helps special needs kids or maybe musically inclined kids, or maybe there's, it would, it's so fun to think about what could develop. Let's say there was a school that really centered around baseball. My middle son would love that. So um, I think, I think there's, I think the future of education is bright. Um, and I think it's it's great if you can get your kids started in a homeschool model when they're young, um, and and you have a bigger role in that. So you've got a you've got kind of an exciting future um, mm-hmm. ahead of you, and I think you're you are well positioned in a way that you're going to see a lot more reforms in the education system than I did. So it's exciting for you. Well, hopefully, I, I mean, my um, it's still it's still a work in progress. I'm still, you know, it, I think it's. Just, for every mother who's working, you struggle with the idea of, okay, how much time in my day do I actually have for this? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, and I know you try, you were doing it with your son and you just, I mean, it's, it's a struggle because, you know, you, you, you've got a roof over your head that yeah. you have to focus on as well. Right. And, um, I really think that a part of the migration of people moving, because you notice how housing prices have been insane right now. And yeah. So many houses being bought up and, you know, people moving farther out or they're moving to Florida or they're moving to more cost effective places They're getting out of New York or, you know, and I really think that a part of that, a piece of that, I mean, people also are trying to get away from insane, um, you know, uh, bureaucratic 
you know, governments and everything too. But, but part of that I think is, is the education system. People revolting against what their kids were going through in school. And, um, and like I said before, you only get this one shot. And so as a parent, you want to make sure that your kids are going to the right places. And, and some of that may be, um, homeschooling parents where parents were like, you know what, um, we're going to, we're going to go find a house where we can afford for us to be on one income or one and a half income, you know, where maybe someone's working part-time um, and, and the other person's working full-time, but we have, you know, actual space to homeschool the kids. We actually have a homeschool room, you know, we're not living close yeah. to the city where we have this tiny, you know, thousand foot house, but we're spending almost a million dollars on this house. And, and so parents, I think a lot of the migration that's been going on over um, just in the past two years has been parents discovering that the school system is not working for their kids. They see, you know, having seen the virtual learning, um, a lot of parents complaining about, you know, gosh, you know, my, my kids were in this house and my kid can't even hear their teacher, one, because they're talking through a mask or because they're right. sitting next to their sister who's also in class who can't, you know, they're hearing both each other's lectures and they can hardly understand what's going on. And, um, and the house isn't big enough. And, um, and then the parents, when they try to homeschool, that there's not enough of a homeschool room to actually, you know, you know, they're doing it over their dining room table. Or So I think some of this movement of housing has also been people choosing, and, and you see by the numbers, um, the homeschooling uh, numbers of even Fairfax County, um, there was uh, the enrollment dip was more than 10,000 students just yeah. the last year. So the 10,000 kids leaving Fairfax, um, yeah. well, Prince William County was 2,135. Um, in, uh, I mean, it was just basically even kindergarten. Parents decided to not enroll their kids in kindergarten um, because they just didn't want to put their kids through virtual learning um, in kindergarten because, you know, how do you put well, a kindergartner through virtual learning? Yeah, so, and I, and I think... Um, well, and I think also, I mean, if that many people are leaving, those are the people that can afford it. Imagine that you give the choice to every single student, every single family in that school. It would, it would, <laughs> a lot more would leave. And that would tell these public schools, we got to change. We got to get better. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's nothing. There's no reason for them to change. Yes, it's going to, it's going to hurt them that, you know, this many people have left the public schools, but they get, they they get so much federal funding, so much. And then all this COVID funding, they are so fat right now that it's really not going to impact them. So that's why I say that ultimately the way to reform is is giving giving these parents a choice um, and, and, and making the money go directly to them because competition and is a big places. And yeah. workplaces need to also help with um, people who want to make this choice as well. Yeah. Um, and I and I think you know there's nothing more I think pro family and pro woman than allowing a mother to work at home. Yes. And the homeschooling aspect really can't. Ha- I mean, it can happen. Like you could do a nine to five job and also homeschool, but then that means you're probably homeschooling at night afterwards, and you're having yes. somebody else watch the kids during the day. And if a workplace could actually you know, work with a mother to be able to be remote working, then I, you know, that is a very pro-family company. 
And so, um, and as long as she's doing her job, (laughs) you know, then what does it matter, you know, in many regards and, and even husbands, you know, there's a lot of dads who want to homeschool too. So, and, and there's, there's a lot of, um, we've had amazing stories of parents who've called, uh, people have called into our radio program who have talked about how they were retired, their grandparents. And they actually came and um, they actually wanted to help their kids who, who were working to. Um, and, and so there was a, a great grandmother who called in just the other day to our show. And she talked about how she, you know, decided to homeschool her grandchildren. So yeah. she drives in, you know, at, at six in the morning to go and homeschool her kid, her, her grandkids while her daughter and son have to go off to work. And, you know, they just, they, they got sick of the school system and, and so they needed alternatives. So, I mean, even family beyond even a mom, you know, uh, family members can pitch in on that homeschooling as well. Um, and as you were talking about, you know, how it, how it gets harder when your kids get into their teens and it's kind of, you know, areas where you're kind of like, oh God, I can't remember this information. Um, you, there's, there is, there are so many resources though, as far as tutors and people yeah. that you can reach out to. And I, and I know my sister got into homeschooling and she was, um, she wanted to teach her kids Hebrew. And, uh, so she actually had a tutor from Israel who was talking to the kids in Hebrew and they were going conversing back and forth and learning language. And I mean, there's just so many options nowadays yeah. with technology that has made it fascinating for your kid to just learn so much. And um, I, I've seen stories of homeschool kids who um, uh, learned how to, you know, fly a plane and learned, you know, <laughs> it's just, it, it just, the, the hands-on experience of homeschooling is incredible. Um, and really it's, um, it's it's fascinating to watch, and um, there's a great story of uh, a kid who his name was Jeremy Schuler, who um, he was 12 years old, and he went to go attend Cornell University. And I remember people talking about how oh, this kid's never going to be ready for you know Cornell University at 12 years old. That's insane. He was a homeschooled kid, and people argued that oh, he's not going to be able not have the social skills for this, and um, but he wasn't an average kid, though. He knew the alphabet at like 15 months old, and he read in both Korean and English by the age of two. He did calculus by the time he was five, and um, and he and he did you know better than on the SAT than like 99% of uh, people who took the SAT that year. Um, but he also I mean, his social skills, he always, um, his parents, you know, everyone made this argument like, you know, homeschooling, you know, you don't have any social skills, right? Because you're not around other kids. And that is probably one of the biggest arguments I hear about people saying that, oh, well, homeschooling, you don't have, they need need socialization. (laughs) They need socialization is always the argument. But do kids really need to be socialized? Because what, what, what what I mean by that is that, you have multi-generational experiences every day with your family, your neighbors, your, you know, through, um, you have, I mean, the whole workplace that you experience every day is people of all ages. And the, and, and so the community experience that kids have, if they're around adults all the time, they start to act like adults. If you're around kids your own age, then you act like kids your own age. And he wasn't limited by 
kids his own age, he actually gravitated towards kids older than him because he was around adults all the time. So his his whole, even though, yes, he's a 12-year-old, he still was more mature than the average 12-year-old um, because he wasn't around 12-year-olds all day long. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, kids can actually be far more advanced. They can be years in grades more advanced if you homeschool them. You, you go at the pace that they are and right. not at the pace that the education system tells you your kid is supposed to be at this age, you know, and well, and I, I, well, no, I was, I, I will tell you that that is absolutely true. It's true of my case is in that my son was sort of needed because of years in the public schools where um, the instruction was, was not what we thought it was because of course in the public schools, my son was getting A's uh, yet was actually falling behind in math. So he had to, we had to take him back and review a couple years of math, but in, in things like literature, he was reading at a much um, more advanced pace and he was, um, he was able to, to go in on a higher grade in history. And so it, it, we kind of did a cafeteria style. And I think, you know, I think for people who, what we call, what sort of the industry calls COVID homeschoolers, and these are people who homeschooled because of COVID, um, you know, they might find that flexibility to be kind of wonderful because I think for a lot of, a lot of parents during COVID, they realized that, the public school system does, and you know, this kind of goes back to what, Heather, what you were saying about your parents, how they said, "Boy, this, these are not the public schools um, of your childhood anymore." And I think people have kind of figured that, like, the jig is up. Like, we know now that you're pushing kids through a system, a broken system, um, in a lot of cases. And this isn't all schools, uh, public schools, but at least in the Northern Virginia area, um, you know the. And, and look, you look at the literacy rates of kids in Baltimore, and those kids are graduating who cannot read. Um, mm -hmm. And we have terrible, terrible proficiency in math. We, you know, in Alexandria City, it's something like, I think there's, I can't remember the number, how many, there's something like 300 and some high schools in all of Virginia. And we're rated like among the 25 worst. Um, and I mean, and Alexandria City gets the highest amount of money, the most amount of money from the state. So there is this disconnect there. And I think with homeschooling, you get to take control and you get to sort of be in charge and really intimately understand where your what your children's needs are. I think part of it is having this flexibility, you know, to do that is what's so great. And I, we're, we're coming up here on an hour and I got to we got to we got to tie this up. But I think, you know, I think of, of women like you who are, you know, have these jobs that are a little bit unusual and, um, and maybe unusual hours or they do unusual things or kind of unique things. And I think in this day and age, particularly as a mom, having that flexibility and in some ways the, the, the job that you have, which is, you know, you're working really early hours and then have a little bit more flexibility in the afternoon or, you know, late morning and, and afternoon times is something that, you know, I think is, is you're incredibly fortunate to have that, although it must be exhausting. And let me tell you, I'm only on two days a week and I, and I get it. Um, but in, in your closing thoughts, I mean, what advice would you give to women that are new in the news business that, you know, sort of do still want to have, a, you know, a, a somewhat traditional life of children and marriage? What, what advice would you give, give them if they're considering a career like this? Um, well, Mary Wright. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, you, you need support as far as, 
you know, your spouse needs to also be on board with you yeah. on whatever decision that you want to make. And I know my husband has, has said numerous times, you know, if you want to stay at home with the kids, stay at home with the kids. And, um, but you know, I personally, um, don't want to do, I mean, I, I want to stay at home with my kids to some degree, but also, you know, you, you have to pay the bills and, I, you know, I, I, you struggle with, okay, you know, I, I have to, you know, make an income, um, yeah. as well in order, you know, I need, I would like to have retirement one day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would, I would like to, you know, but also I want the kids to live in a, in a good area. And, and so you struggle with that and, and that you go, okay, so how do I do this? And, and, you know, God bless the couples that there are a lot of couples who just make that sacrifice and just go, okay, we're going to live. Like you're going to commute two hours every two hours each way each day to get to work, you know, yeah. and meanwhile, I can stay at home, you know, like there are those couples that, you know, agree to that. And, and that's, you know, incredible for the family. Um, and so people do make those sacrifices and, um, and so you got to figure out, okay, so how do, how do we make this work? And, um, and so I, I think that, you know, I think you should do the best you can in your career, but then when you when you go to make that pivot that you're going to have children, I think you really need to focus on, OK, how can I be with my kids as much as possible? Yeah. And, you know, what kind of career path can help me get there? And and as I said before, um, you know, technology is helping us get there um, with the remote working and, you know, like, you know, try to get as high as you can in your career, but then, you know, establish yourself in your career and then try to figure out, okay, how can I ma maximize this experience I have with my kids? How can I find a, a flexible schedule? And it, and it may be one where you go, okay, I have to work. I have to get up at three in the morning <laughs> and yeah. I have to, you know, work all day, but I can still be with my kids. I can still see them, you know? So, um, it's not in uh, every, every job I've ever had, it, it, it's always one of those where, you have to really work hard and, and there's never going to be this. I always see these, you know, you can, you can have four day a week, you know, uh, jobs and stuff. And, and I'm like, well, that doesn't exist. It just doesn't, you know, you have to work for everything. Yeah. Um, and so as a mom, you gotta, you have to you need to figure out if your career path is, is what is conducive to your kids. And so you need to figure out, you know, do I want to be, um, and there was a time where I, I thought, okay, I want to be Roger Ailes. I want to be a, a broadcasting executive. And, um, and then, you know, and then I kind of veered off into the path of having kids. And, and then I realized, you know what, I don't know if I'll ever get there, but that's okay. You yeah. know, I, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an executive of, a producer of, of, you know, uh, a top morning drive show in Washington, DC. So, I'm happy with that. That's good, yeah. you know, and because you know what, my kids matter. <laughs> well, my I, will, matters, so. I will tell you, Heather, I'm glad you're happy because I'm happy working with you. I enjoy it so much. I am constantly amazed at how you put that show together and make everything so easy um, for the hosts and co-hosts. And I'm a big admirer of yours. And I can't wait to watch um, as you go forward, making these decisions about schooling in the next couple of years. And I hope um, I, I hope for, for the best for you, because I think this really is an exciting time to be a mom and to be a, a, a mom at, at the at the, the point where she's deciding on um, 
the you know the education for children. I think uh, I think this is is a time where there's a lot of opportunities um, um, for you and and your kids. So I'm so glad you came on. I think having moms on that have unique um, parenting circumstances is really important, and you've given us a lot of great advice. Thanks for coming on today. Well, thank you, Julie. It's always a pleasure to work with you, and I, I love what you're doing as well. And 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 all the women at IWF and. And you are just doing such important work. So um, God bless all of you. Last thing I'll say, sorry about this. You'll have to come back and update us next year on the decisions you've made. We want to, we want to keep up to date with that. Thanks everyone for being here for another episode of the Bespoke Parenting Hour. If you enjoyed this episode or like the podcast in general, please leave a rating or review on iTunes. This helps ensure that the podcast reaches as many listeners as possible. If you haven't subscribed to the Bespoke Parenting Hour on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, please do so so you won't miss an episode. Don't forget to share this episode and let your friends know that they can get Bespoke episodes on their favorite podcast app. From all of us here at the Independent Women's Forum, thanks for listening.